Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole, and today we're going to be talking about different tax-efficient investment strategies that exist after you've already maxed out your 401k. So a lot of people, I'll see them, and they're doing a great job. They're saving for retirement, and they're maxing out whatever benefit they can put into their company's 401k, which if you are under 50, you can put it up to 19500 per year. If you're over 50 or if you're 50 or older, you can put $26,000 per year. And people will do this and they'll max it out. And then the question becomes, if you're doing a good job of saving, what do I do next? How do I continue to stay on track with my goals even after I've maxed out one of the main benefits that most people know about, which is their contributions to their 401k plan if they have one offered through work? So today's episode is going to talk about if that's the case, if you're doing that, where then should you begin looking to invest to continue to invest in a tax efficient way? Where we're going to start with this is before jumping right into recommendations on where should your next dollars go once you've maxed out your 401k, the first thing that you want to ask yourself is what percentage of your income are you saving? If you're maxing out your 401k and let's assume that you are over 50 and you're putting 26,000 per year in and your income is 100,000, well, you're putting 26% of your income into that 401k. That, that probably means, and it's going to depend on a few factors, but that probably means you're going to do a good job of helping to maintain your lifestyle and the income that you're earning now once you're retired and start living off that 401k. Well, if you're making $500,000 per year and you're maxing out a 401k at $26,000 per year, that represents about 5% of your income that you're putting in there. And depending on what you want your lifestyle to look like when you're retired, just doing 5% contributions to a 401k at that point probably isn't going to cut it. So the first thing that you want to look at is what percentage of your income are you saving? Because the general rule of thumb is you want to make sure that you're investing 10 to 20% of your income for retirement. This is going to depend upon your age. It's going to depend upon what you want retirement to look like. It's going to depend upon assets you already have or investments you already have. So there's a whole bunch of different things that this is going to depend on. But in general, that tends to be a good rule of thumb of if you're saving between 10 to 20% of your income to retirement savings, in many cases, you're going to be on track to be able to comfortably maintain your lifestyle or something like your current lifestyle once you're in retirement. So we start with that because again, going back to that example, if you're in that range, great. Then let's talk about where can you put money next? But if you're not in that range, so again, maybe you have a higher income. If you are putting, if you're maxing out your 401k, but you're not maxing out or you're not in that 10 to 20% range, you're going to want to make sure that you're supplementing your 401k contributions with other types of investments to ensure that you're on track to, to maintain your lifestyle, even when you're retired. So what's next? Let's assume you are maxing out retirement. What's the next thing that you should be looking for? Well, a lot of plans today are offering what are called after-tax contributions to a 401k. And what an after-tax contribution is, is let's say that, again, using that example, you're over 50, you can put up to $26,000 per year into your 401k and get that tax deduction for it. So any dollar that you put in is a money is a dollar that you're not paying federal and state taxes on. Well, after-tax contributions, if you're over 50, you can actually put up to $63,500 into your 401k. Now, that's a total contribution limit between your employee deferrals, between any employer matching, and between any after-tax contributions. But that's a, that's $37,500 more dollars than exists under this the kind of the traditional maximum limit, which is that $19,500 under 50 or $26,050 or above. 
So the after-tax contribution, that could be a great place to save future dollars if you're already maxing out your 401k and want to know what's next. Now, here's how that works. Let's assume again that you're over 50 and you're maxing out your 401k at $26,000. And let's assume just for the sake of keeping it simple that you don't get any employer match. Well, as I just mentioned, you could do another $37,500 as an after-tax contribution if your employer lets you. You don't have to do that full amount, but that's the maximum that you could do. So let's say that you do that 10 years. Maybe you're 55 and you want to retire at 65. If you do that, so for 10 years, you max out your regular 401k contributions, plus you do 10 years of maxing out after-tax contributions at 37500 what you've done is you've put away $375,000 in after-tax contributions over the course of those 10 years. But if we assume that your investments grow, which is, of course, the reason that you're investing, and let's assume that they grow by 8%, the after-tax balance is actually $543,000 in your 401k. So you've put away three hundred and seventy-five, dollars and the balance is now five hundred and forty-three, dollars which means there's growth on that of $168,000. So what's going to happen is, let's say that you retire. Well, when you retire, that $375,000 of after-tax contributions, that can roll over to a Roth IRA. So that's great. That's money that's going to continue to grow. Or it's going to grow tax-free from there on out. And that money is tax-free as you take income from it. But the $168,000 of gains on that money, that's what it would roll into a traditional IRA. So with after-tax 401k contributions, the principal or the amount that you put in, that can go to a Roth when you're no longer working. But the growth on it goes into a traditional IRA. And of course, with a traditional IRA, whatever you pull out of that in retirement is fully taxable. So this could be a great, another tax efficient way to keep saving even once you've maxed out your 401k, because after you make those contributions, you're not paying taxes on any dividends or interest or capital gains while that money is growing tax deferred. And then in retirement, part of that is going to be completely tax free, which is the actual amount of after tax contributions that you made. And the growth on that is going to be taxable. So that's what an after tax contribution to a 401k is. But there's more with this. And if you've ever heard of people talk about mega backdoor Roth contributions, that is many times an option with this as well. And what that looks like is just to keep it simple. We'll use that same example of let's assume that in this case, same case, 10 years of maxing out regular 401k contributions, but then also your after-tax contributions. So you put away 375, the the growth on that. So if it grows by 8% per year, 375,000 grows to 543,000, which means there's $168,000 of growth. And that growth is taxable when you pull it out of an IRA in the future. Well, if you have what's called an in-plan conversion feature or in-service rollover feature, the smarter way to do this, if your plan allows for this, is you can do what are called mega backdoor Roth contributions or conversions. And what you do with that is each year, let's say that you put that 37500 aside. Well, in the previous example, that just stayed in your 401k and it, it grew from there. And any future growth was fully taxable. Well, ideally what you're doing with that is if instead of leaving that money in your 401k, if you can do an in-service rollover and convert that balance to your Roth IRA. So again, if you put 37500 in for a year, can you immediately convert that to a Roth IRA? The benefit of that is now all the growth on that is completely tax-free because it's no longer happening in the after-tax portion of your 401k at work. You've converted it to a Roth IRA outside of work. And so any growth on that, just because any growth on Roth IRAs is completely tax-free. So when you get that $168,000 of growth, like we saw in this example, instead of that balance being fully taxable as you start to pull it out in retirement, 
that's a completely tax-free balance, which just adds to the income that you can earn in retirement because less of it is being paid away in taxes. So with that, that's going to get you a significant amount of money into retirement savings. Even if you're making $500,000 or, or a really healthy income per year, if you're maxing out both your current, your, your regular 401k deferrals, as well as any potential after-tax contributions, and then even taking a step further and doing bat, mega backdoor Roth conversions from that, you're probably going to be in a really good place for retirement. That's a significant amount of income that you have that's being set aside in a, tax, in a, in a favorable tax manner. So that's a great option if you have an after-tax 401k feature through your 401k at work. Not all employers offer it, but if they do, and if you're already maxing at your 401k and want to know what's next, that's a great place to do so. So what if you don't have that feature through your 401k plan at work? Then what do you do? Well, the first thing that I always look at if you're maxing at your 401k is can you do Roth IRA contributions? So of course, 401ks, there's good tax benefits because if it's a traditional 401k, any money that you put in, it reduces your taxes today, that money grows tax deferred, and you don't pay taxes on it until you retire. Well, once you've maxed that out, and even maybe before you max it out, Roth IRAs are also a great option. And with a Roth IRA, any money that you put in there, there's no tax benefits today, but then that money grows completely tax-free forever. The challenge here is if, you are, if you're already maxing out your 401k and wondering what's next, it probably means either you're a great saver or you've got a pretty healthy income. And the challenge with a Roth IRA is once you make more than $206,000 in adjusted gross income, if you're married filing jointly, you don't qualify to make a Roth IRA contribution anymore. If you make more than $139,000 and you are single, if you file taxes as single, then you don't qualify to make a Roth IRA contribution. So one thing that you could look at there is doing a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. And there's too many details on this for probably for today's episode. But essentially what it means is you can still get money to Roth IRAs even after you hit those income limits. So if you're making more than $206,000 in adjusted gross income as a married couple, or if you're making more than $139,000 as a single person, you can still get money to a Roth IRA, but you have to do something called a backdoor Roth IRA contribution. And the way that works, and there's certain rules around it, so be very careful before you do this, talk to an accountant, talk to a financial planner, but you essentially contribute money to a traditional IRA. That contribution is not deductible because you make too much money. But when you contribute to that traditional IRA, what you then do is you immediately convert that balance into your Roth IRA. And ordinarily, if you convert money from an IRA to a Roth IRA, you're paying taxes on the full conversion amount because you're going from a pre-tax account to an after-tax account. But with a non-deductible IRA contribution, so again, that contribution you put in, it wasn't, there was no tax deferral, there was no tax deduction for it. Because of that, it's technically going from an after-tax contribution to another after-tax account. So there's no taxes due on that conversion. So it's essentially doing in two steps what you can ordinarily do in one. The thing that you have to be very careful of with this is if you have any IRAs, SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, any other IRAs outside of this, it can really throw a curveball under the strategy just because the IRS has something called like an aggregation rule where they're looking at your full IRA balance, not just the amount that's that's being converted. So again, more details than we'll cover today, but just know that this strategy exists and with some good planning, that could be a great way to get money into, after, into accounts that will grow tax-free forever, even if your income is too high or once you've maxed out your 401k, allowing you to continue to put more money away in an incredibly tax-efficient way where you don't need to worry about taxes on an ongoing basis. 
So those are the great first places to start. And again, this whole episode, I started with understanding what percentage of your income are you saving to retirement? Because you may max out your 401k and see, you know, I'm, I'm totally on track. I don't need to save more. But you might say, I'm still not saving enough as a percentage. I do need to kick it up a little bit. And we started by looking at, of course, after-tax 401k contributions, mega backdoor Roth conversions, Roth IRA contributions. But the next place I would look is looking at what's called a health savings account. A health savings account, you'll hear the abbreviation maybe is the HSA. And what that means is if you have a high deductible health plan, then you can open up an HSA, a health savings account, and you can make contributions to your health savings account. And the nice thing about that is you get the triple tax free nature of this, meaning when you make a contribution to an HSA, it's tax deductible. Now, there's a couple states, California and New Jersey, that don't technically recognize HSA, so it's not deductible at the state level in those states. But federally, any money you put into an HSA, it saves you money on taxes today. As that money grows, it grows completely tax-free as well. So with an HSA, you have to keep a small amount in cash typically, and sometimes you want to keep a little bit more. But then any unused or any excess balances over a certain limit, you can invest that money. And as that money grows, it grows tax-free. And if you pull that money out for medical expenses, whether in retirement or even before retirement, it's also tax-free. So it's a great account in the sense that you can put money in tax-free, it grows tax-free, and when you take it out, it's also tax-free if it's being used for medical expenses. And that's great in retirement because medical expenses could be like anything up to the deductible that you would pay. It could be co-pays for the doctor. It could be certain premiums for certain types of insurances. So there's a whole lot that it can be used for because in retirement, oftentimes one of people's biggest fear is what's healthcare going to cost? And an HSA is a great way to plan for that. The other great thing with an HSA is if you put money into a health savings account, an HSA, and that money grows and you don't end up using it all for medical expenses, or maybe you just have great medical insurance throughout retirement and you have an excess amount in your HSA, well, then that balance kind of just turns into like an IRA where you can still pull that money out. And even as if it's not used for healthcare and you're in retirement, that money, there's no penalty for doing so. You just pay taxes on it. So the same way that any money that you put into a 401k, you get a tax deduction, but then you pay taxes when you pull it out in retirement. Same deal with the HSA if you're not using it for medical expenses. So this can be a super tax efficient place to save once you're maxing out your 401k as well, even sometimes before you've finished maxing out your 401k because there's some great tax benefits. From making the contribution, there's tax efficient growth as that money is growing. And then you can take the money out in a tax-free way too, if it's being paid or used to pay for medical expenses. So that's the HSA. The next place that you'd want to look, and this isn't going to apply to everyone, but I just thought I would mention it, is if you have side income, maybe you do consulting, maybe you have a small business on the side. If you have side income and you're already maxing out your 401k at work, but there's no after-tax contributions allowed by your employer, You can technically set up what would be called a solo 401k or another type of profit sharing account for retirement contributions where you can take your income that you earn on the side from your side business and also shelter that in a tax deferred way in a very tax efficient way. So that's only going to apply if you have income that's not coming in through some type of W-2 or from an employer, but that can be an additional place I just thought I'd mention as a side note. Now, If you're doing all these things, so you're maxing out your 401k, you're maxing out a Roth IRA, if you have after-tax contributions, you're using them, or maybe you just don't have them. If you're doing all those things and you're saying, okay, James, I'm doing that, but now what? Well, you can always open up just what's called a regular taxable account. So the things that we started with, the IRAs, 401ks, Roth IRAs, 
those are all retirement plans, which means you lose a certain amount of flexibility when you contribute to them just because typically that money can't be accessed until a certain age, but you get great tax benefits for doing so, either tax benefits today or in the future and then along the way as well. But if you're maxing all that out, you can still continue to invest for retirement or invest just for the future in a very tax efficient way. And what you'd want to do in that case is you'd open a taxable account. Now, a taxable account, you could, it could be an individual account, a brokerage account, a joint account. It's called all these different things, but it's, it's really essentially the same thing. And what you want to be mindful with that is when you invest money outside of a retirement account, you're going to pay taxes as that money grows. And you're either going to pay taxes on dividends. So if you own a stock and it pays a dividend, that's taxable. You'll pay taxes on interest. So if you have bonds and the bonds pay an interest, interest payment, that's taxable. And capital gains, which is if you invest and you purchase something, it goes up in value and then you sell it, that's a capital gain. Those are the three things you're going to pay taxes on in a taxable account. What you want to be mindful of is all three of those things are taxed differently. Now, interest and dividends, are, they, they're very similar, but capital gains are the most tax efficient because capital gains taxes are lower than ordinary income taxes, which is the tax rate that dividends and interest are subject to. So as you're investing in a taxable account, if you want to do it in a tax efficient way, ideally, you want to focus on owning the types of investments that focus on capital appreciation or growth in the value of the investment, as opposed to things like dividend paying stocks, for example. Those can be great. They can be a great part of a portfolio, but it's not very tax efficient if those are the types of investments you're using outside of an IRA or a 401k. So two things to note with this. Number one is, is don't let the tax side of this dictate how you should be diversified. You don't want to lose a diversification and go all in on one type of investment just because it's not tax efficient. That's that's not the case. I'm just saying be mindful of that. Of You still want to own many different types of investments, some that pay dividends, some that focus on capital appreciation, maybe some that pay interest. But the second part of this is this is where something called asset location comes into play. Maybe if you're going to invest outside of a 401k, say in some type of brokerage account, well, do you focus on owning the types of investments that focus on capital appreciation there? And then in your IRAs, your 401k, is that where you focus maybe on owning the types of investments that pay dividends, or that pay interest? So that's, that's kind of overly simplified to an extent. But the concept being that if you're going to invest outside of a 401k or, or outside of a retirement plan, you can still just do so very tax efficiently, but try to make sure that your overall portfolio is positioned the right way, but that doesn't mean you have to own the exact same funds outside of your retirement accounts that you do inside of your retirement accounts. You can own, you can tilt the balance a little bit to try to make it more tax efficient. But once you've maxed out 401ks, IRAs, backdoor contributions, that's really the next place that you'd want to go if you're still looking to invest for retirement or for the long term. So all these things that we've talked about so far, this is kind of under the assumption that you've maxed your 401k and you still want to save more for retirement. That's a great place to do it. Now, if we go way back to the beginning and we start with what percentage of your income are you saving for retirement? And if, you, if you're in a good place where you're maxing your 401k and with that and the investments you already have, you're totally fine for retirement, maybe your future savings shouldn't be into any of these accounts. This is where it's really important to understand what are your goals or what are your priorities for the future funds or the excess income that you have, because you might not want to use the after-tax 401k contribution or Roth contributions or HSAs. In fact, you probably won't if you have different goals for that money. Now, are, are you trying to save for a home purchase? Are you moving? Are you going to save for a retirement home? Well, you don't want to put that money into retirement funds. Depending upon the time horizon, you might want to invest it in the same way that we talked about investing in a taxable account in a tax-efficient way. 
But if that's something that you're trying to save for in the next two to three years, you don't want to subject that to market risk, most likely. You might want to use an online savings account instead. And now online savings, high yield savings, the good news, bad news, the good news is they're very tax efficient, but they're tax efficient because they're paying almost nothing in interest today. So if you're not making much in interest, you're not paying much in taxes on that interest. So you might get half a percent to 1% based upon where rates are today. And now that can change depending on when you're listening to this. But the focus for that type of a goal should be on capital preservation and not subjecting your money to the risk of short-term market fluctuations. Maybe you're saving for college either for children or grandchildren or family members. Well, if you're doing that, many times the best way to do that, or sometimes the best way to do that might be through opening what's called a 529 plan. 529 plan, any money that you invest in that, depending upon what state you're in, you may or may not get a state tax deduction for doing so. I'm in California. California offers no such benefits, but other states, Arizona, Oregon, surrounding states like that certainly do. And with a 529 plan, that's a place where any money that you invest in it, it grows tax-free. And if it's used for qualified education expenses down the road, that money also comes out tax-free. So that might be a better alternative than using other retirement funds if you're already on track for retirement. If you're on track with all that and you really want to know what's a tax-efficient way to invest, well, sometimes investment real estate can be an incredibly tax-efficient way to invest. I'm not talking about REITs, real estate investment trusts, which is a fund that you purchase. Those can oftentimes actually be very tax-inefficient because of the way the the dividends and the income you receive from that are treated. But if you physically own a property, that can be very tax efficient because any interest that you're paying on their mortgage or any expenses involved in keeping up the home and then depreciation on the home, all that can be used as a write-off against income on property. So you could essentially have an income property where you're not paying taxes for the first few years sometimes, depending upon how it's worked out because of writing off expenses and writing off depreciation and other things like that. Now, that investment real estate, that should be a a whole separate topic because it's not truly a passive investment like investing in a Roth IRA or taxable account or anything like that is where you literally just purchase something and let it grow for you. Investment real estate can be great and it can be very tax efficient, but it is not passive income. And, And there's a lot of time commitment and there's some more risk with that. Not saying it's good or bad, but just I'm just I'm I'm almost including this as a side note here, but it should never really be a side note. It's it can be another job sometimes and it can take a lot of time and energy and resources. So make sure you understand it correctly before deciding to do that. But I did want to mention that could be another tax efficient way to invest if that's something you have a desire for if you're already maxing out your 401k. So that's kind of a high level snapshot of what options exist once you're maxing out your 401k. At the end of the day, there's always going to be the balance between the present and the future and the different goals and and, and desires that you have along the way. And that's why we want to start with what is the purpose of the money that you have? Are you on track for all your goals without neglecting the other goals or the other things that you want to make sure that you're able to do, but did want to lay out some things that are tax efficient that you could continue to do, tax efficient ways to continue to invest once you are maxing out your 401k. So I hope that's helpful. Make sure that you're subscribed if you've not done so already. If you have any questions, please let me know. But thank you so much for listening and we'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 21 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to the show. And if you're enjoying it, please leave a five-star review. To see the show notes and the resources from today's episode, please go to the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. And again, this show is designed to answer your questions about retirement. So if you have a question, please go to the readyforretirement.co webpage. And there's a page there where you can submit a question that we'll answer in a future episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey, everyone. It's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. 
Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.